history. And our history. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Mystery in Our History podcast, where we take an in-depth look at all things urban legend and conspiracy theory related, and how they came to be. I'm J.R. Supa, that is Chris Barry, here we go. After what can only be described as an exhausting four episodes on Flat Earth, Chris and I decided to take a break, um, and a break is much needed from, a, from that sort of subject matter. Absolutely. Yeah. And we decided as a bit of a palate cleanser, we're going to do something non-conspiracy driven and more urban legend related, and so we are diving back into our Haunted series this week. <laughs> I love how you call it a haunted series. Like it's established. <laughs> We're establishing it right now, by the way. I established it long ago. Did you? I don't know. I think I, did. I think I did. Yeah, fair enough. Um But thrust into the middle of urban Philadelphia is what looks like a great castle. A massive and haunting building. Now this haunting building is now believed by many to be a haunted building. And the castle was designed not to keep out invaders but or to protect knights, but rather to keep people in. And we are, of course, talking about Eastern State Penitentiary. Now that already sounds pretty spooky, dude. So, like, I don't think I've actually asked you on the show. Do you believe in ghosts or the paranormal? Um, yeah, so I, I, I can't remember if... I think maybe, like, the first episode we did No Haunted series... Yeah. I mean, I got a poor memory, so... It's all good. I do <laughs> I do believe more in the paranormal than I do in the conspiracy theories. I think that ghosts are, are real. I'm not necessarily sold on all the different theories about ghosts, but I do think that there may just be either spirits or, or whatever you want to call it that are linked to this world. I don't think, like, everybody that dies becomes a ghost, but I think, like, the unfinished business aspect of things can Flavors. lead to paranormal activity yeah yeah that's fair all right no that's cool I, i'm on the opposite side of you i actually I don't believe in that as much um and for whatever well, reason but it's, that's what makes this podcast so much fun is i don't believe in the conspiracy theories you do <laughs> and i believe in the urban legends and you don't yeah <laughs> yeah but i do still keep an open mind to ghosts so mm -hmm. i'll take evidence uh, also, we are no longer we are we never have been, but we're still not sponsored by Natural Light Hard Seltzer, um, even though I enjoy them so so very much. Yep, get at us. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's never gonna happen. Maybe He's when we just... have maybe when we have more than twelve viewers. Well, you, you keep giving away for free over here, man. You gotta play hard to get. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's a good product. Damn it! A, I stand behind. A That's good right. <laughs> Regardless of whether or not they give me money, please give me money. <laughs> Please, though, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so prior to its construction and opening on October 25th, 1829, prisons had generally been commercial ventures filled with prostitutes, booze, corrupt officials, and little to no order. Starvation, cold, disease, and violence often, uh, often put an end to prisoners before they were even sentenced. Well, they filled it up with booze, too. I can't believe they'd lock up the booze like that. I, I can't tell. So when I was when I was doing the, the research on this, like, and, uh -huh. and, and putting this together, um, I, can't, I couldn't tell if they were saying, like, 
because of the corruption, there was booze in the prisons, or yeah. they were imprisoning Pro- people that like dealt booze? Because this is or before like prohibition. prohibition. This is oh. way before. Yeah, prohibition was in yeah, the right. 1900s. This is 1829. So I I couldn't tell if they were saying like people that were like illegally doing something with booze, or if it was just like because it was so corrupt they just had booze in it yeah (laughs) just toilet shine everywhere exactly but when john havland a prominent philadelphia architect designed eastern state penitentiary all of that would completely change Uh, eastern state's revolutionary system of incarceration dubbed the pennsylvania system or separate system encouraged separate confinement as a form of rehabilitation the warden was legally required to visit every inmate every day, and the overseers were mandated to see each inmate three times a day. I mean, the solitary confinement sounds pretty bad, but more wellness checks doesn't necessarily sound like a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. So. so the Pennsylvania prison, or sorry, the Pennsylvania system was opposed uh, contemporaneously by the Auburn system, also known as the New York system which held that prisoners should be forced to work together in complete silence and could be subject to finish, uh, physical punishment. Sing Sing Prison was an example of the Auburn system. Although the Auburn system was favored in the United States, Eastern States' uh, radio floor plan and system of solitary confinement was the model for over 300 prisons worldwide. And for the, peop- and for the people at home, and not at all for me, what's the Sing Sing Prison? Because they definitely don't know. (laughs) Sing Sing was a maximum security prison in New York. Gotcha. Okay. So very, probably very brutal. Yes. Yeah, it was, (laughs) it's not a nice place. Um, But I don't think Sing Sing is is considered haunted. Um, It was just a a shitty, shitty prison. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I love, (laughs) I love how you said for the people at home and not for me. Not, not for me at all. I had no idea. Uh, I knew, I mean, they I have knew, no idea. I knew what Sing Sing yeah, was. Yeah, I know what I'm... Yeah. I did the research, <laughs> right? I, I helped with the research. Oh, you're silly goose. <laughs> now, compared to other facilities, Eastern State was a technological marvel and at a cost of $800,000, which today, that's over $22 million. Hey, old money, huh? Yeah. Gotta love inflation, right? One of It was one of the most expensive building projects of its day. At a time when President Andrew Jackson was still using a chamber pot, prisoners in Eastern State had their own private toilets. Inmates were served three hearty meals a day, usually boneless beef, pork, or soup, and unlimited potatoes. Unlimited. Yeah, um... It's like uh, round robin or whatever. And they had their own private exercise areas. The cells each had skylights so that the divine wisdom of God might shine down upon those inside. In essence, Eastern State was a paradise compared to other prisons of the time. But despite all its material comforts, this paradise would end up driving men mad. Uh Uh-oh. That sounds ominous. However, honestly, for a prison, that place doesn't sound really half bad i mean it's a prison but like it sounds like it's got all the amenities i mean andrew jackson's shitting in a pot he's the president <laughs> <laughs> this guy's got toilets I, I don't know man 
Well, it sounds nice, but what you're going to get in, what we're you're going to see as we get further into this, is despite the amenities, it wasn't as nice as it appeared. Hmm. Now, originally, inmates were housed in cells that could only be accessed by entering through a small exercise yard attached to the back of the prison. Only a small portal, just large enough to pass meals, opened uh, onto the cell blocks. This design proved impractical, and in the middle of construction, cells were constructed um, that allowed prisoners to enter and leave the cell blocks through metal doors that were covered by a heavy wooden door to filter out noise. And the halls were designed to have uh, a feel of a church. It's pretty nifty. I mean, the place sounds like it's a little bit more soundly built than my own apartment, so... (laughs) The problem is that these guys are all by themselves in this room, and these rooms are essentially being double barricaded to keep the sound out and in, so you were really just alone. Alone with your thoughts. Going stir crazy here. Yep. Now, some believe that the doors were so small... So prisoners wouldn't ha- would have a harder time getting out, minimizing an attack on security guards. Others have explained the small doors forced the prisoners to bow while entering their cell. This design is related to penance and ties to the religious inspiration of the prison. The cells were made of concrete with a single glass skylight representing the eye of God and suggesting to the prisoners that God was always watching them. Yeah, and I bet back then that was a slap in the face because everyone that at that time was religious. So to have God watching you while you're serving your presence, right. yeah, you better start repenting. Yeah, well, and that's that's kind of the thing is because this is such a, a religious time and a God-heavy time. That's you'll see this influence, you know, as this prison's being built and and as inmates are are brought into this, it's um, it's very God-centric and very like old style. God centric. Yeah. Not 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 chill God, mean God. Right, exactly. Now outside the cell was an individual area for exercise, uh, enclosed by high walls so prisoners could not communicate. An exercise time for each prisoner was synchronized so no two prisoners next to each other would be out at the same time. Prisoners were allowed to garden and even keep pets in their ex- exercise yards. And when a prisoner left his cell, an accompanying guard would wrap a hood over his head to prevent him from being recognized by other prisoners. That's a little bizarre, huh? Yeah. Like, is the point to hide identity or is the point to, like, further isolate them? It's total isolation. Now, the yeah. funny thing, what what really got me, though, is that you're doing total isolation of these people. The only human interaction they have is the warden once a day and their overseer three times a day. They have no interaction with anyone who isn't an authority figure. But then they can keep a pet. Yeah. And I couldn't find info on what the pets that they were allowed to keep were, but I'm assuming it might have been, like, a rat that they, like, started feeding or something. I doubt they had, like, a a fucking Burmese mountain dog. Right. Living living in their exercise yard, you know what I mean? It was just kind of like if a bird decided to hang out and wanted to be your friend, you can hang out with the bird. They wouldn't just come in and, like, shoot the damn thing. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the original design of the building was for seven one-story cell blocks, 
but by the time all the cell block three was completed, the prison was already over capacity. All the subsequent cell blocks had two floors. Towards the end, cell blocks 14 and 15 were hastily built due to overcrowding, and they were built and designed by prisoners. Cell block 15 was for the worst-behaved prisoners, and the guards were gated off from there entirely. That's kind of neat that prisoners helped design it, at least. Mm -hmm. But you know those poor SOBs definitely didn't get paid for it. That's that free labor thing. No, absolutely. And But that's also why if you see, like, pictures of this prison... Everything looks the same except for like those two last cell blocks. They're all, they're just like, they don't, they look completely out of place. Yeah, I bet. Now, ESP essentially employed a method of imprisonment known today as solitary confinement. The difference is that today, solitary confinement is used as a punishment for someone rather than a method of imprisonment. You do something wrong, they put you in solitary. Eastern State put everybody in solitary right from day one, and spending too much time alone with yourself can drive someone insane. But it wasn't just the way prisoners were held that contributed to the madness. It was widely believed among paranormal experts that there are many factors that can contribute to a specific place being haunted. Unfinished business is often the most popular. Another popular theory is when something unbelievably speakable happens someplace that they that may or may not cause people to die immediately, but does cause their souls to bind to someplace after death. Sounds pretty juicy. I'm ready to dive in the paranormal side of these things. And so I think this um, Eastern State Penitentiary is a bit of a combination of the two, with option B being the heavier of it. Cool. So, in the case of Eastern State, these acts took place in cell block 3, the prison's long-abandoned medical wing. The hospital block features an operating room, laboratory, a pharmacy, x-ray lab, hydrotherapy rooms, psychiatric department, and solarium for treating tuberculosis patients. Tubularosis. (laughs) Tubularosis. But uh, I, th- I think I kind of That's being way where... too cool, man. Way too that's cool. That's way too rad, man. I think I see where this is going, and I, I'm not, I'm not a fan. Yeah. Well, here we go. All right. The harsh punishment punishments used on prisoners are enough to make you shiver even <clears> without <throat> seeing a ghost. There was the water bath, in which inmates were dunked, then hung out on the wall in the winter until ice formed on their skin. No way, dude. That's so brutal. Yeah. Gets better. Oh, my God. The mad chair. Sounds pleasant enough. Yeah. (laughs) Which bound an inmate so tightly that circulation was cut off, later necessitating amputations. What? Jesus Christ, dude. How is amputating a limb a punishment? That's sadistic. Yeah. Holy fuck. There's the iron gag. Okay. In which an inmate's hand were tied behind the back and strapped to an iron collar in the mouth so that any movement caused the tongue to tear and bleed profusely. Fuck, dude. These are insanely cruel punishments. (laughs) Well, there's also the hole. Ew. And the hole, (laughs) besides being the female member of a morning zoo radio program (laughs) 
The hole is a dank underground cell where unfortunate souls had no light, no human contact, no exercise, no toilet, and little food and air. Wow. I mean, I, I, I referenced it earlier, but it just kind of sounds like my current apartment, so I don't see anything <laughs> wrong with that. <clears throat> I live in the hole. So they took solitary confinement and went, how do we make it even worse? Oh, <laughs> we'll just remove everything. Yeah, put them in a cave, basically, an yep. underground cave. That's exactly Jesus. what they did. So it's safe to say there were many angry souls with plenty of unfinished business tied to Eastern State Penitentiary. Now, the prison, which closed in 1971, is considered by several sources to be one of the most haunted places in America. It has been featured on the Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures. Now, you did get Zach Bacon's on the show, right? I mean, because he shouldn't have. Zach Bagans, yeah, he's on the show. We have him live. So can we can we get him in? We'll we'll bring him in in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, I I had him call in before the show. This was a surprise. Anyway, the <laughs> we don't we don't have him. Zach will not be joining us. Uh, the most. <laughs> um, it's been featured on the Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures and Most Haunted Live. Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters, and MTV's Fear. Dozens of paranormal researchers visit every year and report that it's a hub of otherworldly activity. Perhaps the most convincing, but sorry, perhaps most convincingly, there are the stories of eerie experiences by visitors, staff, guards, and inmates that have corroborated each other since the 40s. And that's always my favorite, too, is when, like, People from who don't know each other, don't work mm-hmm. the same profession, tell stories that match up. Because, like, it, it just can't be a coincidence at that point. You know what I mean? Like, it de- it's... I mean, for me, it depends on the scenario. I like to believe that people are seeing the same thing, and that's kind of what contributes to, like, the evidence that absolutely this is this is a haunted, haunted place. But you you can never escape the legend, the word of mouth. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? So, like, even if somebody in the 40s – so let's say somebody in the 40s, they see something, they're going to tell everybody about it, and it's freaking them the fuck out. That becomes legend, and legend gets passed down generationally within the prison. You know, you're going it, to it, – sometimes it's just because you think that's what you're supposed to be seeing. Right. Some people are seeing kind of what they want to see because they yeah. know – it's there or think that it's there. Right. But according to firsthand accounts, cell block 12 is known for echoing voices and crackling or sorry, cackling. Cell block six is known for shadowy figures darting across the walls, which fuck that noise. Cell block <laughs> four for visions of ghostly faces. And many people have reported seeing a silhouette of a guard in one of the towers, footsteps, whales, whispers the same stories over and over again so is this is this where we're gonna try to do our sleepover podcast because i I wish right that'd be really cool i I don't think we can do a sleepover there although little teaser i did potentially find a place where we can do a haunted series on-site sleepover podcast i'm into it so but one of the most legendary tales comes from Gary Johnson, 
the the 2016 presidential candidate who you got on the show right you never get sick of this joke no <laughs> let's phone in gary johnson the 2016 libertarian gary johnson candidate. is who helps maintain the crumbling old locks at the prison in the early 1990s, he had just opened an old lock in cell block 4 when he says a force gripped him so tightly that he was unable to move. He described a negative, horrible energy that exploded out of the cell. He said tormented faces appeared on the walls and that one form in particular beckoned him. Hmm. That's interesting, but I don't believe it. But it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just sounds it sounds a little much for like a ghost. Of, I don't know. I guess the IC is what he wants to see. But, you know, that's that's the thing with ghosts is it's always first-hand accounts and then right. anything anything that's ever captured on tape or whatever the case may be is always scrutinized and debated. Usually, yeah. You know, it's like you got to you got to experience it for yourself otherwise nothing. I think that's why I'm not a believer. It's cuz I never really like had an experience so and I want one. Like I'm, I'm open to it. Like, well, hopefully we'll have one. I found, found a place. It's in Massachusetts. It may work. Nice. That's um, but notorious criminals, such as Al Capone and bank robber Willie Sutton, were actually held at Eastern State Penitentiary's innovative wagon wheel design. Uh, James Bruno, Big Joe, and several male relatives were incarcerated there between 1936 and 1948 for the alleged murders in the. Kelly, Kelly Race, Kelly Race Massacre. Kelly Race, I don't know how to pronounce it. I give up. Of 1934, before they were paroled. At its completion, the building was the largest and most expensive public structure ever erected in the United States. That's pretty cool that like those walls held some pretty big-name criminals. Yeah. Um, and for everyone's edification... Education? Education, not edification. <laughs> Either one. <laughs> we have just a timeline of some um, of the more interesting clips from history regarding Eastern State Penitentiary. So, 1829, October 25th. Eastern State Penitentiary opens. Its first inmate, Charles Williams, prisoner number one. Burglar, light black skin, five feet seven inches tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, foot size 11 inches, scar on the nose, scar on the thigh, broad mouth, black eyes, farmer by trade, can read. Theft included 20, one $20 watch, one $3 gold seal, one and a gold key. He was sentenced to two years confinement with labor. Received by Samuel R. Woods, the first warden, Eastern State Penitentiary. And that's, uh, it's funny to say, because that sounds like a pretty fair sentence. And I don't remember fair sentences in my lifetime. I just like, think it's very ironic that the first prisoner here in, in 1829 was, a, I guess, a black man. Yeah. I mean, some things never change, man. It's it's weird. Like, like history, it, we're, we're just, the system is rotten to the core. Yeah. <laughs> it's really just going to, really just going to get who it wants in its, in its system. That's... There's actually, um, there's a podcast that I listen to called Through Line. But it's an NPR podcast. Really great. Highly recommend check it out. They do a episode on the history of like prisons and how African Americans ended up like overpopulating prisons, you know, like being the highest demographic in prisons. It's it's pretty interesting. Oh, it's crazy, dude. Like since the dawn of time, 
they they just get unfair sentences for mm-hmm. everything. If this this was today, and he stole something of equal value, the 30, 30 years maybe five years five years three years so? of parole. Yeah, first offense. Yeah, eighteen thirty one. Work completed on block three, the last of the original single story cell blocks. Works begin work begins on blocks four, five, six, and seven, all two stories to accommodate the increasing number of convicts. Block 7, completed in 1835. Also, first female prisoner received. Hey, insert equality joke here. (laughs) (laughs) I guess back then they didn't have separate uh, prisons. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And lastly, French commissioners Gustave de Beaumont and Alex de Tocqueville visit to study the new correctional system. 1832. The first escape. <laughs> Yay. Now it's interesting. <laughs> An inmate who served as the warden's waiter lowers himself from the roof of the front building. Once captured, this inmate will escape in the exact same manner in 1837. <laughs> I, lo- I love that the same method worked twice, as if like they just learned nothing the first time. Five years like, apart, too. Yeah. Slap on the wrist, like, don't do it again. In 1842, Charles Dickens visits the United States to see Niagara Falls and the Eastern State Penitentiary because that's how you plan a trip, I guess. He will later write, quote, The system is rigid, strict, and hopeless solitary confinement, and I believe it in its effects to be cruel and wrong, end quote. Hey, I mean, he's not wrong, but I mean, like, thanks for your input, Charlie. <laughs> Just throw it in the suggestion box, I guess. <laughs> I'm sure that's taken into consideration. <laughs> I'm sure they have one, right? (laughs) We jump ahead to 1923. Female prisoners are removed to a new prison at Muncie. In July, inmate Leo Callahan and five accomplices armed with pistols successfully scale the east wall after holding up a group of unarmed guards. More than 100 inmates escaped from Eastern State during its 142 years of active use. Callahan is the only one never to be recaptured. All of Callahan's accomplices were apprehended, including one that made it as far as Honolulu, Hawaii. What? Like, yep. Wow. Okay. Okay, so hold on. I it's got... pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, A, first off, how in the fuck do you hold up unarmed guards with pistols in a prison as a prisoner? I don't know how like, they got the pris- the pistols. It didn't say. Yeah, like that's impressive. Like you're the armed one in the situation, the mm-hmm. prisoner. Like that something, someone was sleeping on the job there. But B, over a hundred escaped and were recaptured, even as far as Hawaii. But Callahan was never found. Mm-hmm. Like that's either impressive for him or he's dead. Yep, he just he's, died. He's the only one. That's I'm, so weird. I mean. He's he's probably dead now. This is 1923, and he wasn't a small child. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he like just got out and died, or if he lived a nice, long, happy life. Like we never, we'll never know. He drowned on the boat to Hawaii. Maybe (laughs) (laughs) just jumped overboard. Yeah. August 12th, 1924. Pennsylvania Governor Gifford Pinchot allegedly sentenced Pep. The cat murdering dog to a life sentence at Eastern State. (laughs) 
a dog? It gets better. <laughs> Pep, the dog, allegedly murdered the governor's wife's cherished cat. Oh, no. That's sad. And so prison records reflect that Pep was assigned an inmate number, number C-2559, which is seen in his mugshot here. And however, and we'll also put the mugshot up on our Instagram. (laughs) However, the reason for Pep's incarceration remains a subject of some debate. A newspaper article reported that the governor donated his own dog to the prison to increase inmate morale. Oh, all right. Like, I can see how a prison dog can raise some morale. I mean, my coworker I, brought her dog in once, and it raised morale for everyone. I really hope he, the dog was just sentenced. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah like, I killed my I, wife's cat. Yeah. Life in prison. Imagine punishing a wild animal, like, thinking it understands what you're doing to it you know what i mean like it's a fucking dog like the best is they got it to sit for the mugshot right like my dog will piss on the carpet right in front of me and then i'll yell at it and it just looks at me like i don't know what i did wrong and it's just like fuck you bro they're just dogs 1929 to 1930 chicago gangster al capone spends eight months in eastern state penitentiary an article in the Philadelphia Public Ledger, August 20th, 1929, describes Capone's cell. Quote, The whole room was suffused in the glow of a desk lamp which stood on a polished desk. On the once grim walls of the penal chamber hung tasteful paintings. On the strains of the waltz were <laughs> and the strains of the waltz were being emitted by a powerful cabinet radio receiver of some handsome design and fine finish. Uh, sounds relatively comfy for a prison cell. Sounds I mean, like El, Al, good old Al, was uh, greasing the palms of many people in that prison. Yeah. I mean, like, good on you, man. Taking that negative and making it into, like, a little bit less negative, I guess. Because, I mean, you're still a fucking gangster. at the end of the day. Yeah. 1945. Twelve men escape through a tunnel that emerges at Fairmont Avenue and 22nd Street. Prison plaster worker Clarence Kleinendist Kleinendist designed uh, Clarence. His name is fucking Clarence. Designed and built most of the tunnel. At the time of the escape, Clarence had only two years left to serve, and most of the men were caught within minutes. Yeah, and I bet that two turned into like 22 probably. I, I forget where I read this, but there's a country where they don't punish prisoners for like making an escape out of prison like if you try to escape prison and they catch you like they don't tack on more time to the sentence that's because the reasoning is is it's just human nature to want to escape incarceration yeah i thought it was cool i just wanted to share that that's very interesting actually yeah Yeah. i mean well clarence was out for two hours and then had an additional 10 years added on to his sentence yeah bank robber willie sutton takes credit for planning the tunnel (laughs) <laughs> well, don't do that, you dumb dumb. <laughs> Pennsylvania legislature also recommends abandoning Eastern State Penitentiary, Penitentiary that same year in 1945. Sounds like quitter talk. But it closed in 1971, and they were already talking about nixing it in 45 after the Second World yeah. War. Jesus. 19. 19- 61, inmate John Klausenberg, must be an Irish guy, 
tricks a guard into opening the cell of another inmate. With the cells open, the inmates overpower the guard and begin the largest riot in the prison's history. Several hours later, a large force of police, guards, and state troopers reclaim the prison. The riot fuels discussions to close Eastern State. Sounds like a pretty good party. Yeah. I'd like to partake. January 1970, Eastern State Penitentiary closes. Yeah, I mean, I can see throwing in a towel at that place nine years after a riot. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> <laughs> most, most inmates were sent to the State Correctional Institute at Gatorford. While the penitentiary's electrical and mechanical systems are in terrible shape, the walls and paint are actually in perfect condition. And I think it's 1971. I didn't put this in here, but there was an, an issue at another prison where it was like either flooding or something happened, and they used Eastern State Penitentiary to house them until the repairs could be made. So that's why it was technically used until 1971. Gotcha. Now, today... Eastern State Penitentiary is a museum, and over 220 people come each year to educate themselves in the historical prison. But what is arguably more fascinating is that each fall, the prison becomes home to one of the largest haunted house attractions in the country. Yo, what? Are we going next year? I'm down. Philly's not that far. Me too. Yeah, it's not that far. I think it's like God. two, a little over two hours from me. Yeah, that would be probably like f- maybe five or six from me. Yeah, but you could come here first, and then we'll just go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave Jess here with Jill, and we'll just go. <laughs> no way, dude. Jess wants to go. <laughs> but so yeah, no, we'll, we'll leave her here though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm sleeping on the couch. So. Yeah, probably. Um. <laughs> I'm I'm lucky enough my wife is too busy to listen to these, so she'll never know I said this. That's fair. <laughs> Once the museum closes to the public, technical and production teams have about one hour to flip the switch to the lights off, turn on the fog machines, and get the music rolling for the haunted house. Actors in masks and costumes jump out at visitors from cells, neon lights and clowns line one of the cell blocks, a loud shriek echoes through the darkness. The production brings 300 staff members onto the set every night. Oh, holy shit, man. I, like, seriously want to go. Uh, that dude, sounds I'll, really cool. We can plan this for next year. Absolutely. We can Not even like do – we may even be able to record there during the haunted house. I mean, I can, yeah. I can try and set it up. That'd be cool. It's called Terror Behind the Walls and features Hollywood-quality sets, custom-designed props, animatronics – animatronics, digital sound effects, and a cast of more than 200 performers in a theatrical production that consists of six haunted attractions, consistently ranked among the top haunted house attractions in the United States. Terror Behind the Walls is the largest and runs on select evenings in the fall. That, I mean, that that sounds a lot of fun. Yeah, dude, we're definitely going to plan this for like next year because it yeah. sounds damn cool. It's really like, cool. I haven't been to a good haunted house in maybe, like, 15 years. Like, I went to a lot when I was young. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's some around here, but they're... they're I don't want to, like, shit on them, but they're, they're kind of yeah. rinky-dink. You know what I mean? I mean, like, I've there's... been I've been to some poo-poo ones. Um, I'll say, like, the one here in Connecticut at Lake Compounds that we used to go to every year. Mm-hmm. It was decent. I mean, it has, it has its 
it's areas you know because like they keep you in the dark and there's areas where you're walking through and people are in ghillie suits but the walls are all grass so you don't know who's where and what's what and like they yeah. things come out and grab you so yeah i mean it's the ones where like because it, it haunted houses today have gotten to the point where like people can't touch you people can't like you have to be careful because you don't want to get sued because this culture mm-hmm. is so sue happy so like if you scare somebody enough they'll fucking claim like mental anguish and then sue everybody and it's like the whole thing just gets shot down so that's why haunted houses today aren't that good anymore dude i'll sign a waiver if one of them will like come out and bite me in the leg like no joke like i will literally (laughs) sign a waiver if one of these guys will come out and bite me in the leg like that nothing would scare me more than like so it's funny you should mention that there is a guy I want to say Middle America. Call it Ohio, because I, th- I don't remember. Um, I think it's in Texas. If you're talking about the one where you need to sign a waiver to go in, well, you know what? It might be Texas. It's you have to. Not only do you have to sign a complete like waiver. It's it's called the haunted house. You have to take a physical. You have to take a psych eval. Then you have to um, sign the waiver. The only payment that you have to bring to enter the haunted house is food for the guy who operates its dog. <laughs> That's the payment. And if That's you great. can make it through, the prize is 20 grand. No shit. Yes. No one has ever made it through because it's not a haunted house. It is an actual house of horrors. It is torture. Like you get waterboarded. No shit. Yeah. It's and that's the thing is like this guy is advertising it as like the world's greatest haunted house because no one has ever actually made it through. But this guy's just a sick fuck who likes doing this to people and yeah, found right. a legitimate way to do it. Legal loophole to like yeah, that's, that's literally all it is. Yeah. Weird. But yeah, you have to take a full on physical and mental psych eval. Yeah, I don't know if I would like go that far with it. But like like I said, man, if like I don't know. Like, if I could find a place where, like, people could actually jump out and, like, grab me. You know what I mean? Like, And they don't have to, like, hug and grab you. But, like, just for them to just reach out and, like, touch your shoulder. Yep. And be like, ah, and touch your shoulder. That's all you need. That's what gets you. Because when you hear, ah, you're like, meh. But if when it's you that's getting grabbed, you're like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. Like, holy shit. Get off me. Like. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it would be nothing cooler than, a, like, a man sliding underneath the table, from under the table, and, like, biting yeah. me in the leg. Just be like, holy shit, I'm so scared. Like, this guy Or, like, me. even, you know what I mean? Like, even, you know those those haunted house, like, when you walk through and there's that one, like, butcher scene? Mm-hmm. Where, like, it's the creepy dude chopping up, like, a pig or something on a table and it just looks creepy well what if that person could reach across the table and actually grab you now they don't need a right. real knife right and but the they, pig, they the pig can be fake right you know what i mean like it could be just be sculpted and like you don't yeah. get dirty just because they grab you because it's yeah. all like plastic or whatever they grab you and like hold your arm down for a second while they like pretend they're gonna just lop exactly. it exactly yeah that'd be cool dude That'd be really cool. No, that's uh. And you know, you just sign a waiver saying like, "There is no intent to harm you. Don't harm the people that are doing this." But it's a more realistic haunted house. I think the one that 
I don't think the one in, in Texas is the one that you were talking about, like the torture house. But um, that one. I don't I remember where it, it is. Yeah, it, it might it might even be a different one I'm thinking of, but it's on a pig farm, and basically they just like use that to their advantage. They just have like gross like they have pig blood and guts, and you know what I mean, like. And the they smell, they give it more of like a deliverance like, feel. Yeah, and it's uh that that it's definitely like one of the waiver ones because it's mm-hmm. like supposed to scare the the shit out of you, which is awesome. Um, like that's yeah. but that's why you go to a haunted house. But then there's also. There's haunted houses for all ages, and then there's mm-hmm. haunted houses. Right. Like, the Lake Compound stuff, the Six Flags stuff, like, those haunted houses are made so that, you know, young adolescents and early teenagers can go experience it as well. Yeah. And yep. get creeped out and freaked out. And then there may be one or two places that, like, scare the adults and then there's also like the places that they have where it just like freak you out because it's like there's the the thing with like the spinning you're walking on a ramp oh, and the whole room dude, is spinning yeah. and it fucks you up like with you your get equilibrium so disoriented and stuff. yeah yeah, yeah. So. i remember in like 6th grade or so we definitely went to a haunted house in Salem Massachusetts and uh they brought their A game that was a pretty good one Salem I take it seriously cuz that's all the witch stuff and everything yeah. so they're yeah they're they're big into the halloween I'm curious if they still take it that seriously. I would assume so. Yeah. Well, hopefully. That'd but, be cool. Yeah. De- next year, we'll set it up. We'll go to Eastern State Penitentiary Haunted House. Hell yeah. We'll take a we'll take a night in Philly. Grab some cheese I- steaks and then go get the shit scared out of us. Shit, yeah. That sounds great. <laughs> that sounds so good. <laughs> well, that is all for this episode of the Mystery in Our History podcast. If you have any urban legends or conspiracy theories that you think we should uh, cover, feel free to email us at the number four guys media network at gmail.com. Please make sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Click the like and subscribe icons on YouTube on the four guys media network page, or check us out on SoundCloud by searching M I O H pod, all one word. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time on the mystery in our history podcast. Bye. See ya.